Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here and we pray you get something powerful from this sermon. Good morning. Thank you. Sorry, I'm going to fiddle with this thing because it's so annoying. That's okay. Good morning. Good morning online. Good morning in person. It's such an honor to be sharing with you today. And, um, you know, when we got the email to say these people are going to be speaking um, in January, so can you just make something, you know, nice and lighthearted and encouraging beginning the year? You know, we want people to feel good. And I started writing the message and I was like, I don't know how good this is, like how encouraged people are going to feel. I pray you feel encouraged, but I actually also pray that you feel challenged. And the reason I pray that is because as I was preparing it, I felt challenged. And I think it's important that when someone speaks about something, that they too are challenged by what they're saying. Because whether you're up here or down there, you're the same, same, right? And we journey the same life. We may go through different things, but God wants to challenge us all. And so today we're going to talk about faith over feelings. And if you know me, feelings usually (laughs) will take control. I'm a quick actor. I feel something and I act. I don't allow wait time. I actually don't allow myself to stop in what I'm feeling Think, pray, seek advice, and then act. I just feel and then I act, and it's got me in a bit of trouble over the years. But I want to challenge you. What do you rely on? Do you rely on faith, or do you rely on your feelings? There's a scripture in Matthew 17, verse 20, and it says, Truly I tell you, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Well, when I was younger and I learned that lesson in kids' church, I literally thought I could move a mountain. And the house that we lived in at the time overlooked the Dandenongs and so I would I would sit at the window and I would literally be like, I have faith the size of a mustard seed mountain move. (laughs) Well, it didn't move. And as a young kid, I was left really disappointed. I, I said to God, like, I have faith the size of a mustard seed. Why didn't you move that mountain? Come on. And I was frustrated and annoyed. It's funny when we talk about a mountain physically moving, but when we talk about it in our life situations, when there are things that we have faith for and we believe for, but then they don't happen, we can feel left, we can leave feeling upset, frustrated. And maybe even looking at those words that Jesus said as, as invalid and and frustrating. You know, when I was 13, or before I was 13, um, I had set myself a goal, a faith goal, that I would go to India 
before I was 13 on a missions trip. And I really genuinely believed that this would take place. I prayed about it. I had the faith of a mustard seed. I was like, come on, God. I want to get to India before I'm 13. I don't know why 13, but it was just something that I had. I didn't have a job, so there was no way I could earn the money. And mum and dad were very specific in that they weren't going to provide the money for me. Because in that moment, rather than having faith in God, I would have had faith in my parents. I would have thought, mum and dad have got the money, they can pay for it, it's fine. And so I wouldn't have actually learnt a lesson. So they specifically said, you can believe for this, you can have faith for this, but we're not going to pay for it. And so I had to have the faith. Well, leading up to the trip, I still hadn't heard anything. And I was left feeling disappointed. I remember crying to mum and saying, mum, why? Like, I have faith that I will be going to India. I prayed it. I believed it. I have this scripture in my mind. It's the size of a mustard seed. I can do this. And she just said, well, you've just got to continue believing and continue praying. There was only a few days left. The odds were pretty low, right? You know, when you look at that scripture in Matthew 17 verse 20 and you read the whole Um, chunk of scripture that it's a part of. It's about Jesus healing a demon-possessed boy. And when they came, it's from Matthew 17, verse 14 to 20. It says, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. It's a bit challenging. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed in that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. When you read that scripture, you hear the words of Jesus and you're like, whoa, that's a bit unfair. Come on. Like, you're Jesus, the son of God. Of course, you can do it. These poor disciples, at least they gave it a bit of a go, right? And then he makes that comment about you have so little faith. When you look into the context of what Jesus was actually referring to, he wasn't talking about the quantity of faith. It wasn't that they had a tiny bit of faith or they had a lot of faith, but it was actually about the quality of their faith. Believing that our faith is capable of removing these demons from this child. Believing that our faith is capable to repair a marriage. 
believing that our faith is capable of providing the finances that you've been crying out for. It's not about how little your faith is in quantity, but it's about the quality of your faith. That's what Jesus was challenging his disciples. He actually wasn't being all that nasty. He was just saying, hey, you need to understand your faith a little bit more. You need to understand the power of your faith. What I can do, you can do. The faith that I've placed within you is capable of these things. You just need to believe it. You know, I looked into um, the mustard seed. And we know how small a mustard seed is. It's tiny. Mustard seeds can be, um, there's different types, as we probably know. There's mustard seed bushes, and there's ones that are trees, and there's the American version, and there's the African version. There's all these different ones. And the one I looked into was the African mustard seed bush, because that makes sense within the context. Now, this mustard seed, it's about one to two millimeters in diameter. It wasn't, it's not the smallest seed that you can get today, but in the time when Jesus was talking about this, it's the smallest seed that a farmer would plant. So it made sense to them. It was the smallest thing that they could have. When you plant this seed, it grows into a tree that's about 13 feet high. And the leaves and the branches, they span about 20 feet wide. The cool thing about this tree is that once it's grown to its full potential, birds come and they find shelter. Livestock come and they actually feed off the tree. You see, when our faith is developed and grown so much that it becomes the size of this tree, it doesn't only impact our life anymore, but it actually impacts the people around us. People come and they find shelter in our branches. People come and they feed off our leaves because God has given us a faith to grow and develop that it's not just for you. Your faith doesn't just help you. It helps those around you. And so when you begin to believe that the faith, the size of a mustard seed, Jesus isn't talking about the mustard seed staying the size of a mustard seed. He's talking about it growing to the point where not only you are affected, but the people around you are affected. The other thing that I really, really loved was that there's a state in India called Maharashtra, and I'm probably not saying that right, but it doesn't matter. And the mustard um, seeds, they're, they're turned into mustard oil. And during extreme winters in India... They use that mustard oil to keep warm. They use the mustard oil to keep warm, to stop them from freezing in that extreme winter. When when you are in a place where you don't know if you can go on, when you're in a place where it seems as though your faith is, is gone, where you don't have hope, When you look back and you think about that mustard seed of faith that you have, that you've grown and you've developed, it's going to keep you warm. It's going to keep you going. It's going to get you through that winter. I love that. I love that whenever Jesus says something, it's not just an off-the-hand comment. When you look into it, when you dive into it, there's so much more to what he's saying and so much potential for us to learn.
You know, when you look at a story in the Bible, and I looked at the story of Jacob. It's an amazing story. And, and coincidentally, I, I chose to talk about Jacob, and then my reading this week has literally been all about Jacob, which has been great. But if you look at him, his history, his life is full of deceit. It's full of family drama. It's full of him running away and hiding and feeling. And at times it's hard to see where his faith may come in. You know, early on in his life, he actually bargains with his brother and he takes the birthright off his brother. Well, in my opinion, that's Esau's fault because he let him have it, right? If that was me, I would have fought for it, but anyway... (laughs) Makes a good story. (laughs) So Jacob bargained and got the birthright. And then when we know when his father is dying and his mom, oh my gosh, I can't believe his mom jumped in on this as well, but they tricked the dad into believing that he was Esau, not Jacob, which is the older brother, and therefore he took the blessing, the family blessing. He took the family inheritance away from his older brother. And when Esau found out, he was angry. And so Jacob ran away. He went to his uncle Laban's, and he stayed there for many, many years. He met his wife. Well, he wanted one woman, worked for seven years for her, ended up with the sister. Then he wanted the other sister, so he worked another seven years to have her. And then, you know, it's very, very messy. Then he's, he remembers, he remembers the purpose that God had for him. He remembers the blessing that God spoke over him. And he knew that God hadn't forgotten about that. But he was challenged. You see, all these years he'd felt, oh, I've, I want this, I'm going to get it. So he just acted. He could have had faith that God would have provided regardless of a birthright or a blessing, but he didn't. Instead, he actioned his feelings and he took it. It says in um, Genesis 31, verse 3, you know, Jacob's spent all this time at Laban's house. He's built his family. He's built his, he's got servants, uh, slaves. He's got livestock. And the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives and I will be with you. Regardless of what Jacob has done, God is still with him. Regardless of what you have done, what I have done, God is still with you. I love that. He keeps his promises. Regardless of the path that we somehow end up at times, you're never too far for God to bring you back to that place that he promises you. If we read a bit more of this scripture, we're going to read from Genesis 32, verses 6 to 12, and it says, When the messages returned to Jacob, they said, We went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought, 
If Esau comes and attacks one group, well, at least the other group is going to escape. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of your kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me. And also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. Jacob's on his way back home. He sends his servants ahead to soften his brother. And then they come back and say, oh, by the way, he's got 400 people with him. I don't think that was going to bring comfort to Jacob. He was fearful. In verse 7, it literally said, in great fear and distress, Jacob didn't not feel. He felt But the thing that he did next was the most important thing. In verse 9, it says, then Jacob prayed. In fear and distress, Jacob ran away. No, 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 no. He's done that. He's learned from that. He's not making that mistake again. This time it goes in fear and distress, then Jacob prayed. When we're in fear and distress, we're not called to run away with our feelings and hide. We're called to come to the, our knees and to say to God, I know this situation doesn't seem great, but I'm not doing it alone, God. I have you. And I believe that you can help me. I believe that you can guide me. So please, I put my faith in you. Jacob allowed his faith to take control not his feelings. When you read on a little bit further, he's continuing the journey. Genesis 32, 24 to 30, it says he sent his wives and his children across and he's on his own. It says, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. This is the scripture I really love. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Now, hindsight tells us we know that it's actually God that he's wrestling with. And here it says, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, when the man saw that Jacob's faith was so strong that he wasn't giving up. When the man saw that Jacob was determined, he, he, he actually put a little bit of an impairment in him. I want to be that strong. I want to wrestle with God at times and I want him to go, this girl is not giving up. I want that. If you continue reading, in 26, it says, Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. 
Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans, and you have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called that place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. He didn't give up. He was wrestling with God. I feel like, you know, God is capable of anything, right? He could have clicked a finger and Jacob was gone. But he wrestled with him. You know, church, sometimes when we're in these situations where our faith is just waving, it's like you've got to be a bit of a Jacob here. And no matter how hard the waves hit you, you're holding on. And when God, God himself said to him, it's daybreak, come on, we need to finish this up, I'm done. Jacob turns and says, I will not let go unless you bless him, bless me. I will not let you go until you do what I need you to do for me. Jacob wasn't being arrogant or rude. He was just being desperate. Sometimes you have to be a little bit desperate. Sometimes you have to put yourself out there. Sometimes when a situation looks weary and that there's no hope, you have to fight. You can come, Tim, if you like. (laughs) You know, in that moment when Jacob was wrestling with God, God did something to his hip. And it says that he, he then limped. He had a limp to show for it. What has faith done to your life? What is obvious in your life that is from faith? Jacob walked with a limp. They no longer actually ate that part of an animal because of Jacob. What is your faith doing? How is your faith making a difference in you and those around you? Faith is not just about you. Because when it grows from that mustard seed to that tree... It becomes a a, a shelter. It It becomes food for people around you. What is your faith doing for those around you? You know, they say with the mustard seed, and I would assume that most things are like this, but it says, the longer the bloom period, the greater the seed yield. The longer that you work on your faith, the longer that you nurture your faith, the longer that you practice your faith, the greater the seed will become. The greater the seed yield. That means seeds will be taken from your tree and other people will take those seeds and plant their tree. 
You know, I, I talked about India earlier on. And it was a few days before the trip happened. And I believe my mum got a call from someone. And they said to her, we really believe that there is someone that needs to go to India. We don't really know who that is right now, but someone needs to go and we're willing to pay for the trip. And so I wasn't the only one that wanted to go. There were other people. And so mum, of course, was like, well, shove brick to the side because that's fair so I'll I'll mention these other names and this person was like no doesn't feel right and she said someone else's name no it just doesn't feel right and then she said oh this is a little bit awkward for me but you know Brit's really believing that she'll be able to go and she's been praying and they said yep that's, that's the person that this money is meant to go to. I'm not kidding you. When it was like, I don't know, a couple of days before or something like that. And all of a sudden, mum and dad sat me down and they said, you're going to India. Someone has covered the price. I don't know who that person is. That doesn't matter. Because my faith remains in Jesus. It's not in man. It wasn't in my parents because they paid for it. It wasn't them. Jesus knew. He knew how hard I cried out. He knew how frustrated and disappointed I was as that time was coming closer and closer for me to go. But you know what? It's never about our timing. It's never about when we're going to see the thing take place but it's about God and there's a reason and that reason never makes sense in the moment of course not we're a people that want things here and now it's hard to wait and especially when you're going to an overseas country where you've got to get injections and you've got to get a visa and you've got to get money exchange. It doesn't make sense that only a couple of days before I left would I find out. Oh, by the way, you can go to India. It's really inconvenient. But faith isn't about convenience. Faith isn't about what feels good for you. In fact, a lot of the time, faith can pull things out of us that are frustrating and hurting. But God says when you get to a point where all you have is faith, that's when I can step in. Because when you feel, when I feel, I remove the ability for faith to step in. Because all I can think about is what I'm feeling and what I'm mad about and what I'm frustrated about and not about what God wants. What's God's plan? What does He want to do with me? Church, I know that there are probably people in this place today. And if I'm completely honest with you, A story about India is like, yeah, whatever, Brit. It's not a real issue. I get it. I'm not saying, I'm not, that was an incredible faith moment for me. 
But there are some people either online today or in this place that are like, yeah, cool, you got to go to India, good on you. But I have real issues in my life right now that I'm not seeing things happen for, that I'm not seeing God come through for. So how can I have faith to believe that they will? All I can say is you've you've just got to keep going. I don't have a magic wand. In fact, God doesn't have a magic wand where he just gives you what you want. And I'm grateful that he doesn't. Because every faith struggle I've ever had, every faith journey I've ever been on has led me to a point where I've become stronger in my faith, where I've become less reliant on myself and more reliant on him. I didn't plan to tell you this story, but for some reason, I just want to share it. I'm going to get really emotional. But in 2017, sorry, Josh and I were having our first baby and we were so excited And unfortunately, at about nine or ten weeks, we lost that baby. And I can tell you today, that was my biggest faith struggle. Because why would God do that to me? Why would God do that to anyone? God didn't. And that's what I learned. It wasn't God that took my baby away. That's life. That's nature. It just happened. But I can tell you now that Josh and I walked this journey together. And we came out of it so much stronger in our faith. Because we said to God, regardless, God, regardless of this situation, regardless of where we're going to be, Lord, I don't know. But we trust and we put our faith in you. My feelings were telling me to really get angry, and I did. Especially when I was told you had to have this special shot for rebellion, and therefore you can't even try for another period of time. And I was really angry. I got home and I screamed into my pillows and I was yelling at God and I, I literally blamed him. I said, God, this is your fault. You know better. there's a process and so church I, I'm not saying that for any thing for me any sympathy but what I'm saying is that I know that there are struggles and people go through things and it sucks but I pray that because of my journey because that I've worked on my faith and, and I pray that my faith is a tree where people can come and they can find shelter. If I can give you a little bit of faith, then I will. Connect yourself with people that are going to cover you when you can't cover yourself. Community is everything. Don't struggle alone. We have our faith, but when we can have faith and community, It just makes the journey a little less hard.
I'm going to pray, but I just want to encourage you this morning. If you are going through something, if you are journeying something, contact someone today. Don't do this alone. God, we know that as human beings we feel and we feel things so strongly. But Lord, I pray that when we face things in our life, whether it be something small or life-altering, Lord, we pray and believe that in that moment that we would have faith. And that, Lord, if our faith doesn't seem big enough, if our faith doesn't seem strong enough, Lord, I pray that we can seek out people, that we can sit under, that we can connect with, and that we can source from their faith in order for ours to grow. Lord, I pray that you would touch our church this morning for every need that people are crying out for, for every need that people have had faith for. I pray in this moment that you would just give them a little glimpse of what things will be. A little glimmer of hope that they can hold on to. Touch our church today. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including service times and our live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.